Well, it's 11.03, and then there was 30. It was drama galore at both ends of the FedEx uh, playoff field last weekend, and uh, Victor Hovland scorched the earth in the final round of 61. Yes, 61, and a magnificent performance at uh, the BMW, forcing his way into the final pairing of the Tour Championship, and the likes of uh, Terrell Hatton, Jordan Spieth, just snuck in by the skin of their teeth. So what will this weekend at Eastlake offer? Who will end uh, with the richest of uh, the rich group of men? Uh, they still ride a cup permutations to consider as well. I bet there are. Uh, our man David Bileski is uh, at Deep Dive Golf, of course, on Twitter. He's right across the game of golf. Uh, good morning to you, David, as we head into, uh, well, the last weekend of uh, the PGA Tour for this year. And uh, it all's, uh, it's going to unfold at East Lake Golf Course, Atlanta, Georgia. Good morning, Slavi. Yeah, pleased to be with you as always. And yeah, an exciting, exciting um, tournament coming up, obviously, with the Tour Championship and the season ending um, FedEx Cup, although uh, not too long to wait until the PGA Tour is back in just two weeks' time with the, the Fortinet Championship and some really big um, tournaments coming up on the DP World Tour as well to, to end their season um, over the next couple of months. So exciting time for golf, and that's not even mentioning um, the Ryder Cup on the horizon too. Yep, absolutely. Well, the Eastlake uh, East Golf Course is steeped in history, going back uh, as far as 1904. It's a par 72 course with a 76.2 rating and a slope index of uh, 144. Four par threes, ten par fours, four par fives, traditional par 72 as such. Uh, but uh, what are the challenges here for us, David? What are we looking out for? Yeah, so, so it's a difficult... Um difficult course. It's, it's always paid, played quite hard. I mean, obviously we've got this unique kind of characteristic this week in terms of the um, the setup with the starting strokes that players have. Um, it's actually a, a par 70, so it's a, a 7,346-yard par 70, um, so just the two par fives um, here to take advantage of, and then um, some of the longest par threes on the PGA Tour, so um, average averaging well over 200 yards, um, including a 235-yard um, par three as well. So it's a tricky, tricky test. And um, the, the key with this course is even though there's only six holes with water in them, I mean, as, as the name kind of suggests, there's some rather large lakes in the area and um, they do feature pretty prominently. The um, rough is Bermuda and two and a half inches thick and can be pretty penal. And then you've got tree line fairways as well. So um, driving actually tends to be a better predictor here than driving distance. We've never seen any player really come out here and bomb and gouge this course. It's been a about finding the fairways, um, finding these greens, and then um, they're making putts off the back of it. Um, the courses here, I think, is going to play quite tricky just from the fact that Atlanta's had uh, very little rain over the last two months. They're in a bit of a drought, and um, as a result of that, it's going to be extremely firm, extremely fast. They're going to have to water the greens because otherwise it's just going to get completely out of control, um, but it should be a very, very stern test um, for the golfers this week. Which is foreign to what they've been playing in the last week or two, where they've had, on a number of situations, had, they've had clean-in-place situations around the golf course because of heavy rain. That's right, yeah, so quite different this week. And um, when you, typically when you get a firm and fast course, you, you're going to expect that driving distance starts to get a boost. And the, the reason for that, I mean, we saw this at Wingfoot back in um, in 2020. When, when when it's firm and fast, the ball's just going to take these erratic bounces and continue to run out, and it just becomes much harder for these players to hold the fairways. 
I, I don't necessarily think that's going to be the case here, just simply because the course is so penal if you do stray offline that regardless of the fact that it's going to be firm and fast, I still think that players are going to potentially have to club down to try and keep it, keep it in the short stuff and give themselves the best look going into these pins. So it's going to be a fascinating test and um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see who comes out at the end of it and lifts the, the FedEx Cup trophy. Well, obviously, uh, can you explain to us the difference here? Because uh, whilst they're playing for uh, the Tour Championship as a tournament in its own right, FedEx points uh, run alongside. So can you tell us how that works? Yeah, so it's a it's a pretty quirky format, and they've, they've had this for four years now. So throughout the course of the season, everyone's competing for the FedEx Cup points to earn their um, placing at the end of the year, and then it sets up the leaderboard now to to how those players are gonna um, gonna start off. So they actually start with starting strokes. So for example, Scotty Scheffler will tee up um, tomorrow or this evening New Zealand time early Friday morning um, at minus 10 and so he's already got a two shot lead, lead over Victor Hovland who's second place in the Fed's Cup rankings at minus 8 and then minus 7 Roy McRoy, minus 6 John Rahm so on and so forth as they go down so it's a quirky format, um, it's a bit strange, I'm not necessarily a massive fan, um, the reasoning was um, why they put this in four years ago is that they, they basically wanted the person who lifts the Tour Championship trophy at the end to also be the FedEx Cup winner, which isn't necessarily always the case. Um, but I think there's perhaps better ways to do it. Um, and we, we go through a whole season. I mean, we saw it last week where um, during the leaderboard, they're going concurrently across to the FedEx Cup rankings of this place in 31st now and this place in 30th. And, you know, if they make this putt, they'll make the Tour Championship. And I don't think it's that difficult for people to understand um, rather than this kind of unique format, which we don't see in, in any other tournament where um, players already have starting strokes um, when they hit that first tee. Last week uh, we talked about Rory McIlroy because uh, the theory was, uh, even though the fairways were very tight last week, the further you bombed it, uh, the closer you were going to get to the green quite logically, which made hitting out of the rough uh, a little bit more simpler, I suppose. Uh, what are we looking now, and you mentioned about extra runs, so distance will be a factor, but uh, what type of player are we, are we looking at there? Yeah, so, so driving actually is going to be really key this week. Um, we've got some good um, comparison courses in Sedgefield um, Country Club, so that's the host of the Wyndham Championship. That's also designed by Donald Ross. Um, very similar metrics in terms of what the players are going to need to bring, particularly in terms of approach distance. Majority of the approach shots here will be over 200 yards. Um, that will take up about 35% of players' um, shots with their irons over 200 yards. That's a combination of the fact that being narrower fairways, people are clubbing down a little bit to keep it in the short stuff. And then the fact we've got those longer par threes as well. So emphasis on players who are hitting it well um, from over 200 yards with their irons, people who um, have an up and driving accuracy. Um, as I said, Sedgefield's a very good um, comp course to have a look at. Um, we've also got this this quirky grass here called um, Zoysa grass, which we only see a few times during the, the PGA Tour. Um, TPC Southland that hosted the St. Jude Championship a couple of weeks ago, the first um, Fairless Cup playoff event, um, has those fairways and um, similar Bermuda greens, Bermuda rough, so that's a good guide. And then the ATT 
AT&T, um, Byron Nelson at TPC Craig Ground, surely in the season also has it. And it's a bit polarising, this grass, because it's kind of almost like Kapuria, which you'll see in South Africa and um, some Australian courses quite a bit, in that it's very it's very sturdy and it's made for the rigours of the heat that you kind of get in this area in Atlanta. And um, players can kind of go either way. Some players love it and they say it's like the ball being teed up and having off a tee. And Xander Schultz talked about that before and he's got a very good record here as a result. Um, and then others have um, sort of complained about the fact you can get um, flyers even if you're in the middle of the fairway and the ball can travel 10, 20 yards further than you expect um, just because of the way it's sitting in the grass. So it can lead to some kind of quirky results in, in that regard. So if you can find correlating form at either TPC Southland or the FedEx Cup um, St. Jude a couple of weeks ago and the Wyndham Championship, I think those are great guides. Andy has texted in and said, uh, can we thank our golf guru? being you. Uh, for Max Homer finishing top 10 last week at uh, $2.78 uh, through a couple of winning multi. so you, you made uh, Andy very happy there. Uh, Max Homer uh, is um, in about the sixth line of betting in, in this uh, particular event. He's due to tee it up with Lucas Glover, who's been pretty hot, I think it's fair to say. Uh, that's an interesting pairing. Uh, McElroy plays with Ram. Um, as you say, Scheffler plays with Hovland. Uh, they're the final three pairings, and they they tee off um, 30th and 29th tee off first. And, um, so interesting format, that. And, uh, of course, because only 30 players, it's over, it's over pretty quick smart by normal standards. Yeah, and, and, and interesting in the fact that you've got kind of two different markets running concurrently. You've got the the outright market of who's going to gonna, gonna pick up the trophy at the, the end of the tournament and um, that takes into account starting strokes and then you'll find a lot of um, bookies out there are going to run a concurrent market where it's actually just the lowest 72 hole um, stroke play event like you normally would um, at any other tournament so you'll find lots of different options in terms of um, those there and I mean if you are going into the market where um, it, it includes the starting strokes I mean there's really only five to six guys who can who can lift the trophy just because it is so difficult for someone who's minus three to catch up to a Scottish Heffler who's minus ten and the way that it's shaped out this year I mean you've really got what can now probably be classed as a top four in the world of golf with Scotty Sheffield, McElroy, John Rahm and now Victor Hovland I would include in, in those big four um, all starting with starting strokes, so they're going to be a hard um, group of four to, to, for anybody to catch. It confounds me, and we mentioned this last week, but uh, it just seems to be more exaggerated every week. The number one golfer in the world, you would assume over the years, would have a, a pretty cool swing, a, a close to the perfect golf swing, but if you look at Scheffler, you look at the feet at the point of impact and just after, it makes you scratch your head. I mean, if you saw him on a Saturday morning at your local golf club, you'd say, how the hell are you the best golfer in the world with that kind of a golf swing? Um, but he finds a way. It's um, yeah, it's unbelievable. His footwork is is something to to um, to marvel at because yeah, you you see his his feet kind of sliding all over the place, and you just go and how you keep control of this golf swing, but he manages to do it. And and I mean, it's I posted on my my Twitter feed. Um, earlier uh, this week just about how astonishing the season has been for Scottish Scheffler and in many ways it's been so astonishing that it's actually been disappointing on the, the other side because in the last 365 days he's played 24 tournaments he's finished in the top 12 and 21 of them and he's finished in um, the top 5 15 times out of 24 um, he's only got two wins to show from that, the Phoenix Open and the Players Championship so two pretty big flagship events but really I mean the, he's been striking the ball 
at such a level that only Tiger Woods is really um, lived up to at that at that that sort of level, and and it's it's always difficult to make any comparisons to Tiger Woods. But um, in terms of the statistics, it basically shows that Scotty Scheffler this year, in terms of his driver and his irons, has been hitting at a level that um, Tiger Woods hit, at and no other player has really ever managed. The the difficulty has been um, his putter has just been dreadful the last few months. He's been really, really struggling with it and he should have had a season this year in my mind where he won six to eight tournaments. He's been hitting at that sort of level. He should have been completely dominant and I think despite the fact he's been hitting it so well, he'll come away from the season a little bit disappointed, um, especially if he doesn't pick up the Fed Cup trophy come Sunday. Yeah, absolutely right. Um, look, as you say, it's pretty hard to to go past the top two or three given the handicap uh, that's uh, in their favour. Uh, but in terms of uh, the tournament um, itself as a separate entity, is there anyone you spied that might make a not necessarily a run at the FedEx title itself, but a, a, a run at this <coughs> a run at, a run at this particular event uh, as it stands alone? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I, I've been very high on Russell Henley this entire year. Um, he's playing at an extremely high level, um, and he's been going underrated um, for my part. We've um, we've been following him for, for quite some time. He's been racking up, um, started off racking up top twenties, and then that's very quickly moved into um, top tens and top fives. And so his last three tournaments, when he finished second at the Wyndham Championship, so that's that um, course um, designed by Donald. Ross Sedgefield Country Club that I mentioned earlier he finished 6th at the um, FedEx St. Jude which is the TPC Southland and then 8th last week at Olympia Fields and the intriguing thing about last week is that that course is not for me the best set up for Russell Henley and to still finish in the top 10 was a really good sign for me um, from him so um, Russell Henley the Georgia guy as well, he was born in the state, he attended the University of Georgia um, so he's found a lot of success in this um, part of the world before and he's actually finished 12th and 3rd in his two appearances at this course and that was before the starting strokes um, so that was um, you know off the off his own ball, so I think Russell Henley, which you can get at um, about twenty-two to one or twenty-five to one, depending where you're looking um, for the seventy-two hole um, markets, is um, is mm-hmm. a good shout. Very, very accurate golfer, and he's striking the ball beautifully. This is a time of the year, David, when the DP Tour takes a back seat because of the status of the, these last few rounds of the FedEx. Um, what are we knowing, um, um, Daniel uh, Daniel Hillier, Ryan Fox, been pretty quiet lately. Yeah, well, so um, DP Wood Tour has been on a bit of a hiatus for the last sort of four or five weeks. They do have these sort of like swings that, that come throughout the year. So um, we've got some big tournaments um, starting this week at the Czech Masters. There's a pretty um, decent field here this week. It's a real bomber's paradise. And you've got guys like Lydia Gayberg and Victor Perez and Robert McIntyre and Shane Lowry's headed over as well. So um, there's going to be quite a few names there this week um, that are going to be trying to put their, um, their last bid in for um, a spot on the Europe um, Ryder Cup team and this is, is for me it's a, it's a course that actually correlates pretty well to Marco Simone which is the, the host course for the Ryder Cup in Rome this year and um, it'll be a, I'm sure that um, Luke Donald will have his eyes peeled um, trying to just see who's coming into form following that next week we've got the Europe um, the European Masters at Kranzius here which is up in the mountains in Switzerland it's an absolutely stunning beautiful unique quirky course um, well worth a watch and then we've got the Irish Open and the Pete 
BMW PGA Championship following that, which is um, the the flagship, the equivalent of the Players Championship for the DP World Tour. Um, and then um, later in November, we've got the, the race to Dubai concluding at the Dubai World Tour Championship as well. So um, as the, the PGA Tour kind of moves into their full swing, um, there's going to be some really big events coming up on the DP World Tour, which are going to be very, very interesting. Right, uh, let's look at, uh, just very briefly if we can, David, to the Ryder Cup uh, makeups of these uh, two squads now all of a sudden. We're guaranteed, uh, and for the Americans, we're guaranteed Scheffler, Clark, Cantlay, Harmon, Homer and Schauffele. They uh, get in there by right of uh, passage uh, on, their, on their displays. And then you've got a bracket of players that Zach Johnson will be looking at with um, Ryder Cup experience, but perhaps not form of late. Justin Thomas fits into that mould. All of a sudden, Lucas Glover, who probably wasn't a candidate oh, two, uh, two months ago, all of a sudden, Lucas Glover, you've got to be thinking as a possibility, uh, a slightly older golfer with more experience than some. You've got Bradley, um, you know, Keegan Bradley, you've got Spieth, you've, you've, uh, you've got Ricky Fowler, you've got a, a number there that he can draw from, but where do you think uh, he's going to go, Johnson? Yeah, it's really tricky. I'm, I'm starting to think that, surprisingly enough, that Justin Thomas might be getting the nod. And the reason why I say that is that he's not on the tournament list on the DP World Tour this week or next week, but he has um, put his name into the field for the Fortinet Championship in a couple of weeks' time. And that's not a t- an event that Justin Thomas typically would play in. Um, it's two weeks before the Ryder Cup, and I just wonder whether um, the captains have perhaps had a quiet word with him and said, Look, you're in, um, you know, and uh, don't worry about coming over to Europe. Just you know, get some reps under um, your belt at the the four net championship. So, I think that we can we can suspect that surprisingly enough, despite his quite dreadful season, um, to put it frankly, um, that he will be on the, the Ryder Cup team this year. So that just takes another spot out. I think um, Brooks Koepka, you have to have in. Jordan Spieth is a certainty as well. And Colin Morikawa um, will be in that the list really as well. So really, we're just going to be looking, I think, for one to two names. Um, I think Cameron Young was um, touted by Fred Couples, whether or not um, anybody else um, actually agreed with that or if that was um, Freddie Couples just um, speaking off the cuff, who knows, but I think it would be, be a big um, flip-flop if he came back and, and said he wasn't in the team, so it could just be all up to play between, say, Keegan Bradley, Sam, Sam Burns. Um, I think Ricky Fowler's definitely in contention as well. I'd be surprised if he's not on the plane. Um, he's a very likeable guy, and I, I guess the difficulty comes, right, we're looking, the Ryder Cup's such a unique Event. It's it's a team event, you know, and we need to look at the fact of the team dynamics and how those players are going to interact with each other. It's played in one tournament on one golf course without really taking into account what happens the rest of the year. So, um, you know, I think there, there might be some surprising selections, but it will be based off the fact of who's going to gel well together as a team, what do those pairings look like, and who's going to um, really suit that golf course to, to give it its best shout. Um, look, I still think Europe are a stronger chance than um, what people are giving them credit for. Um, by mm. my book, US US fair odds would be a dollar eighty, and they're a bit shorter than that. Um, they have drifted out, but we tipped up Europe um, a couple months ago at three dollars ten, and that's been narrowed into two dollars fifty now. And so you uh, you will struggle to find the three dollars ten anywhere else. But um, I still think that they're uh, they're a little bit higher than than their odds warrant. They obviously get to set up the course however they like. As well, and frankly, half of this American team has just not been showing it of late. John Rams, form warrior. 
Uh, a little bit. Yep. Yeah, it does. Um, I I was willing to give him a hall pass um, after the the Saint Jude Championship because um, he he really struggled in the first round and then kind of brought it back for the second, third, and fourth round. And then what we saw at Olympic Fields last week was um, was pretty concerning. Um, it, it may be a case of motivation. Um, he's already pretty much assured to finish in the top four um, for the FedEx Cup rankings. It really wasn't going to make much difference for him where he started this week. Um, but I think this week will be quite telling in terms of the form that we're going to find from him. Um, on the flip side, Matt Fitzpatrick suddenly popped back into form for the Europeans. Um, and he was almost, he's basically a certainty to make that um, European Ryder Cup squad. And um, so it would have been very, very promising for the captains to see him finally find some form, which is good. And then Victor Hovland, obviously, as well as the winner with that um, absolutely stunning back nine, probably the best um, nine holes of golf that I've seen um, this season um, from any player. So him coming into form as well um, was very, very promising. And um, yeah, I think the, the Europe team could be quite confident at the moment. David Bileski, uh, always great to catch up with you. Uh, thank you so much for um, that very, uh, very um, detailed uh, summary of uh, how you see it uh, may well pan out. We look forward to the Ryder Cup as well. Interesting uh, with those names coming to the forefront, folks. You'll find uh, David Bileski's information on Deep Dive Golf, Deep Dive Golf on Twitter. And uh, I re- recommend, I seriously recommend you go to that site because uh, they've been coming up trumps, absolutely. Uh, David, have a, uh, a really good viewing weekend. Uh, look forward to the Tour Championships at, at, at Eastlake. It, uh, it's going to be a beauty. Thank you. Thanks for your time, as always, mate. Pleasure. Thanks, Billy.